Hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> ah. I like starting every episode differently, you know, like it totally depends on my energy in the day and what's happening for me and what's alive for me. Hmm. Today, I'm feeling a lot of my little, my little's energy. I, instead of saying inner child sounds so serious, you know, like, oh, my inner child. And it's not to say that people can't use that if they like it. Um, I used inner child for a long time, but sometimes my little is just like, bro, I'm your little. Like, it's not that, it doesn't have to be that serious. It's not that deep. That's something that they're definitely um, teasing me about this week. It's like, not everything has to be so serious to me. Really, now. <laughs> You're just like, this is my little speaking to me. They're so funny. They're like, you are literally, scale it, scale it in your head. You are like, to the cosmos, you are bacteria. Like, that is how tiny you are. And you're here running around like, oh my God, I need to do this and I need to do that. And this has to be blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, bacterial blob, like, why don't you just have fun? <laughs> Why don't you just enjoy being alive for this split second that you are alive for? So that's kind of the energy that I'm dancing in. And you can feel it because I am feeling very like, ah, uh, which is fun. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love my little so much. They're so smart and so wise and so compassionate and so funny and so free and so playful. and. Before we even get into the episode, you know, my little would like to say to yours that they are fantastic and they are smart and funny and kind and compassionate and playful and they have so much to teach you. They have so much to teach you if you will allow them to, if you will allow yourself to learn from them. <sighs> Which for me is so satisfying. I love learning from my little. Wow. So they just wanted to say that before we get into the episode. They're like, <clears throat> everyone should respect their littles. Our littles are so precious and wonderful and lovely. And I just love them so much. And I want to, ah, as a big, I want to just wrap all of them in my arms and say like, come here, you sweet children. <laughs> You're so wonderful. <sighs> the world should appreciate you more. I should appreciate you more. And I do appreciate you. Anyway, this episode is going to be really like, we're going to go everywhere. We're going to go nowhere. We're going to be everything. We're going to be nothing. <laughs> That's my energy today. Um, so I guess I'd like to say, start with a breath. And a deep sigh if you want to, or a deep moan or groan, or like whatever is feeling present in your body. Allow yourself to sound in some way if that feels good to you or welcome to you, or even if it's just like, oh, I'm curious about that. What would it feel like to just. I'm going to have to get uh, a step away from the mic so that I don't like blow it, but. No. 
what does that feel like? You know, I've been making so many noises today. I've just been like, I think sighing is so good for our bodies and I love making sound. I'm honoring this about myself. This is part of the human becoming journey is like learning to accept all parts of my being. And there is a part of my being that just loves to sound. Oh my God, I love to sound. I love to make sounds. I love to make strange and weird and unexpected noises. And I love the word strange and weird. You know, I've definitely reclaimed those for myself. I am very strange and very weird and that's delightful. Anyway, hello, hi. I'm going to just speak very directly to you in this episode uh, because I really want to speak about our connection and how it's making me feel, which kind of sounds like a really scary talk that you're about to enter into, you know, like that registers anxiety in my body when someone's like, yeah, I'd really like to talk about our connection. I'm like, oh no, am I in trouble? You're not in trouble. You're not. I just want to speak about us. (laughs) which also sounds so funny. I just want to speak about us. I do. I do. And I want to speak about our connection and how I feel in it. And so that's where we're kind of going to go in this episode. Um, And we're going to speak about shame because that's how I'm feeling right now, my dear. I'm feeling a lot of shame. And I know you have not shamed me. And I don't really feel like you will shame me, but I'm feeling a lot of shame. And I'm thinking that that can be a really interesting place for us to meet and dance so that together we can learn more about shame. I don't know. If you're into it, stick around. Stay. Join me in this dance. And I hope you will. Ah, okay. Let's get into it. So, (laughs) hi. I have been feeling so much shame since our last meeting. Oh my god, I've been dealing with one of the most intense shame overs. More intense than I've felt in a very long time. And uh and and it's been funny because the shame voice in my head is like shaming me for what I shared with you and also shaming me like for what I shared not being shameful enough, which is hilarious to me. It's like, okay, cool. I'm literally shaming myself for not experiencing enough shame. Like, what? That's, wow, okay. Uh, Hello, shame. We welcome you to this party. Thanks for coming. Thanks for teaching us. Thanks for joining. We'd like to hear from you. So I was feeling a lot of shame and I spoke to my best friend about it because releasing uh, Sunday's episode, last Sunday's episode, was so hard for me. I've never thought so intensely about not releasing an episode in my life. And then as soon as I released it, I felt this shame that I felt shame in the first place. I was like, this is such a baby thing that you're speaking about. Why are you even feeling shame for that? (laughs) Which is so ridiculous. And it's so funny. But that's how shame works, right? Like shame isn't about, and I suppose this is kind of what I want to speak about today, that like we assume that there are logical things to be shamed for, like quote unquote, there are right things to be shamed for and wrong things to be shamed for, which in and of itself is shame, right? But I guess I'm pointing at this idea that some things 
should, once again a shaming word, should be shamed, and other things should not. And where this is coming up for me is like, you might have listened to last week's episode and gone, oh my god, what what are they speaking about? This is so weird. Ew. I hate these fantasies that they're sharing with me. I hate that they fantasize about white men. (laughs) You know? Um, Ew, they shouldn't do that. They're supposed to be a good feminist. You know? They're supposed to be blah, 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 blah. That might have been how you interacted with the episode. However, because I know you, I'm pretty sure that's not how you... (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's not how you interacted with the episode. But then my shame voice was like, oh, yeah, wow, you know... Um, now if I'm speaking to you, my dear, that you're going to be like, oh my God, they're being so dramatic for no reason. None of this is anything to be ashamed of. And I don't know why I'm doing this voice, but that's how I'm imagining this conversation going between me and shame and you. That's nothing to be ashamed of. And how silly of them to be ashamed of that, which then is shame, right? Like, oh, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Oh, shame's a lot. Shame's doing a lot in all of our heads, in my head, in your head, I'm sure. Um, And so I wanted to share that with you because some of the most profound things I've learned about shame I would like to bring into this episode. And one of the most profound things I've learned in my dance with shame, in my relationship with shame, is that shame really hates to be spoken. Shame hates to be put out in the open. Like, shame hates to see the light of day. Because the whole idea with shame is, no one could ever love me, accept me, care for me if they found this thing out, so I have to keep it in the shadows. Like, I have to keep it hidden. But then that shame voice mm, becomes a bit kinky and then is, like, telling you um, to keep it in the shadows, keep it in the shadows. You know, like, don't share. Don't. You shouldn't. You're not supposed to. You know, whatever your shame voice is saying. And then that kinky shame voice, you know, is really doing its best to convince you that you should never tell anyone about this thing. So when you do, right, which is kind of what I aim to do at this pot at this podcast with this podcast is to show up in my shame, expose it to the light of day, give my body the experience of doing that and knowing that I'm still safe and loved and cared for. I have not been abandoned by God or you or the universe. My tummy, my stomach, whatever you call him, her, them, it, uh, is going to be grumbling in this episode quite a lot, clearly. He is just like, hey, hi, hello. And I'm like, yes, I know. I will feed you after this episode. Anyway, that's just me being human in a body. Like, part of what I want to do with becoming human is also can we normalize the fact that we are in bodies? We are in bodies that 
hunger. We are in bodies with stomachs that grumble and we are in bodies that shit and we are in bodies that sweat and excrete and create and have sex and get wet and sweaty and this and that. Like we are in bodies. We are in these animal bodies, which is amazing. It's such a gift. And so much of what the society asks us to do is like totally ignore that we're in bodies or repress our bodiness. You know, I did that a lot as a child. I was like, you know, like, okay, even the fact that like uh, anyone seeing blood in the society, like if you're, if you're bleeding um, and specifically, you know, like, I mean, if you're like menstruating, that's like, don't, don't look at that. Don't see that. No one's supposed to see that. It's so shameful. I'm sure if you're, if you've menstruated, like you've dealt with some intense fear around, like, oh my God, I'm going to, like, my blood's going to leak or it's going to get on these white pants or on these jeans and someone's going to see and that's just going to be awfully humiliating. Or it's happened to you. It's happened to me. Like, you know, it's part of being human, but there's, like, I don't know, some obsession with our society in just denying the fact that we are in bodies and those bodies have needs and those bodies have functions and those bodies perform functions and those bodies sweat and shit and get wet and bleed and do all kinds of wonderful things. Rant on bodily fluids and bodies aside. In shame, we do not want to expose ourselves to the light of day, right? And that is why speaking shame is so powerful. So that's the first thing I'd like to share with you about shame, is that if you're experiencing shame, if you're in shame, whenever you are in shame, because often as humans, we're in shame quite a bit, speaking it is so useful. And I'm going to shout out to my best friend, Emily, quickly. Hi, Emily. I love you very much. And I'm also going to shout out to my mom. (laughs) My mom and Emily have been hugely supportive this week in sitting with that shame. And it's taught me a lot about how valuable it is to have a friend or a mother. (laughs) My mom is my friend. To have a connection with someone, a relationship where you're able to say, hey, I'm in a ton of shame right now. And this is what my shame is telling me. You know, like I could show up in my relationship with Emily and say, now my shame is telling me that these things about myself are awful. And now on top of that, my shame is telling me that they're not so awful and I shouldn't have felt shame about them in the first place. So I'm trying to shame myself out of the shame and it just sucks and it hurts and I'm scared of being excommunicated from the society because I'm stepping into my mess and my darkness and my beingness and my humanity. And to be able to bring that to Emily, who I love dearly. Hi, Emily. I love you. (laughs) And have them accept me, you know, and have them hold me. And that was so useful. And so if you listen to Human Becoming, or if you and your friend or group of friends listen to Human Becoming, and I know that there are some people uh, that fall into this category, and I love you all. Um, I love the Human Becoming friend groups. That, like, is the coolest thing to me. Creating a little shame agreement amidst amongst yourselves could be like a big way to up-level your friendship if you're looking for one. Um, as you start to learn about the language of shame, 
and do your own work of de-shamifying all of the things that your shame is telling you you should and you shouldn't and you're supposed to and you're not supposed to and this is bad and this is ugly and never let this into the light of day. If you have someone who shares that vocabulary and understanding of shame with you, it can be so useful to just be like, hey, I'm in shame or hey, I'm, I'm going into a shame spiral and just have them sit with you in that because what shame is telling you fundamentally in your brain, in your big, beautiful human brain, or <laughs> I'm like, are there other beings listening to this? <laughs> but in your big, beautiful animal brain, whatever brain, whatever kind of brain you have, no judgment here, shame is telling you that if you let this aspect of yourself out into the light of day, you are going to be excommunicated. Like that is why shame is really powerful. It tells us that we're going to lose our connections with other people. And in order to stay in connection with other people, we have to suppress a part of who we are. And that is why speaking shame to someone, to some loving person, to some loving friend, who also listens to the podcast or listens to other podcasts about shame and knows a bit about shame or is open to knowing a bit about a bit a bit about shame and a bit about you know um, how to support people in moving through shame that can be hugely hugely supportive that for me has actually probably been the most transformative thing in my shame journey is just have a shame buddy, you know, have a shame buddy. Um, <laughs> and speak to them when you're in shame, because we all deserve a shame buddy. And we all deserve to know that even when we start to bring aspects of ourselves to the surface that feel unlovable and feel unworthy and feel dark and feel rejected and feel abandoned, that we can bring that to the surface and someone is still going to want to be in connection with us they're not going to abandon us. They're not going to turn away. That is so powerful. That is so powerful and so transformative and is once again another place where I will say intimacy is amazing. <laughs> intimacy is so healing. Intimacy is so transformative because really great and yummy and delicious intimacy in my eyes can give us that experience of I'm going to show up as all of who I am. And I'm going to ask you to accept me. And I feel that way about all of my intimate connections. I'm so grateful for the quality of intimacy that I'm in and the quality of intimate connection that I am in. It actually blows my fucking mind all the time, all the time. Because I realize, like, wow. <laughs> There's so much healing that's possible here, and there's so much acceptance that's possible here. I was speaking to my other, I have many best friends. I love my friends, but I was speaking to my dear, 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 dear love, Tess. And, uh, and I was saying like so much of the, so much of what I didn't get with my father, <laughs> I get with you, you know, so much of what, uh, of the intimacy needs that I needed to be met growing up, I, I get met with you and that's fantastic. You know, like that's amazing that I get to have that with you. Thank you. And so I suppose this is why I'm so passionate about relationships and intimacy and connection, right? Is because of 
the container that it allows us to create and grow in. And part of what I've been dealing with in shame lately is I've been fighting back against the societal idea that when I am perfectly healed, and when I have come into perfect wholeness and unity and all of these wonderful things inside of myself, only then will I be worthy of love. And so there's like this narrative, you know, that like, oh, you can't love another person unless you love yourself. And um, and also, I, I think that is part of our societal perfectionist wound, right? Like that we have to, and I've been experiencing this a lot in intimacy this week, we have to heal perfectly. We have to show up perfectly in order to be worthy of intimacy. I, I, I like hold this false belief for myself all the time, all the time. So also just deshamifying that, you know, like so often I feel shame for feeling shame. That's what's wild about shame. I feel shame for feeling unworthy. I feel shame for feeling unlovable. I feel sh- you're not supposed to feel that. You shouldn't feel that. And you shouldn't sure as hell shouldn't share that you feel that with anyone, you know, and it's like, no, I do feel that. And I really want to push back against this idea that healing is linear and healing brings us to perfection. You know, I think healing just takes us in cycles and cycles and cycles and cycles. And I'm constantly revisiting things where I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought you were healed. And that's my perfectionist coming out like, what? I thought you were healed. <laughs> that's me speaking to myself sometimes. I'm like, you wanna? I thought you were healed, bruh. Like, come on. And it's like, okay. Um, what does that look like to you? What does what does that heal that you thought you would arrive at? What does that look like to you? And I'm noticing this in, in my connections is that many of us, and this has just become increasingly apparent to me this week, many of us are holding this this sense that like we will be worthy of int- intimacy when we are healed. And I think when we use this like healed, you know, ED healed, it it does make us think that there might be an end point. There might be a conclusion that we arrive to. And I know for myself, you know, I love buying into that idea that there is a conclusion and an end point that I can arrive at to, um, that I will arrive in, whatever. (laughs) Because then I think, oh, I will arrive at perfection, you know. Perfection and shame are so tied. They're so connected. (sighs) Because I think shame tells us that unless we're perfect, in whatever way we have defined perfection, you know, we're unworthy of connection and the aspects of ourselves that are imperfect, that we have judged and labeled as imperfect, have to be just put in a box and hidden away and never reveal to the light of day. That for me is the big shame message, you know? It's like, do not let this see the light. Do not let anyone see this. Do not let your, don't even let yourself perceive this or see this, you know? Sometimes I'm even surprised at shame that I feel because I'm like, damn, I didn't even know you existed. I didn't even know you were in here. Hi, welcome to the party. I love a shame party. And so 
part of what this dance with the darkness, you know, that was a lot of my shame too. And I just realized I was like, of course I feel shame. I'm shaming myself for feeling shame. But of course I feel shame when there has been this multi-thousand year project of repression that has shamed me and my ancestors and my spirit kin out of speaking about these things and experiencing these things and embodying these things that feel so connected to who we are and to our truth, you know? Like we've lived in this violent system of this violent system of disconnection for so long that has disconnected us from our truest parts of ourselves, that has asked us to repress parts of ourselves, that has shamed other parts of ourselves. That like, of course I feel shame. You know, that's part of, for me, situating, because it doesn't help to shame yourself for feeling shame or to be like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't healed completely out of shame. I think we'll always feel shame. I think we will always feel shame. And you might be like, hmm, I disagree. I love that for you. However, I feel that we will always feel shame for as long as we really, really, really care about connection. There's always going to be a voice inside of us that fears that disconnection. And and maybe I'm making this generalization for our lifetime. Like, I don't know, I do not know where we are moving as humans. That's part of why uh, something that's been really alive and present for me lately is uh, thinking about starting a second podcast, which is just, I'm like, how much do you want on your plate? Uh, but I've been thinking about starting a second podcast that I would call Beyond Human. And that's really where I would start to think about what is next in this human project. You know, I'm really interested in what is on the horizon. And uh, something that I've been thinking about that I'll share with you all is, I did not know this, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but the ancestors of whales and dolphins were mammals who moved back into the ocean. Isn't that fascinating. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, and you're like me and like totally mind blown. But that means that these beings moved out of the ocean and then moved back into the ocean. And something I've been playing with a lot lately is how I am experiencing this transition in in our human evolution, because I do think we're experiencing a big moment in our evolution, is I feel like we're moving back into the ocean. And I don't mean literally. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, um, maybe literally, but I I mean it more as like a, as a poem. This is a poem about moving back into the ocean. And poetically, I think that we are moving back into the ocean. And for many of us, we, you know, the, the ocean might inside of us resonate as many different things. For me, the ocean resonates with the darkness. It it resonates with the erotic. It also resonates with the ancestors, you know, um, and the grandmothers specifically. And it's moving into deeper connection, you know, with those aspects of ourselves. I think so much of my work on this planet is, in this lifetime at least, is to help people deepen into connection with their ancestors, you know, and to always bring the ancestral peace into the puzzle because sometimes I even forget. Like right now, I'm in the middle of a fucking initiation. I forget that all the time. <laughs> and then my ancestors have to like pull me back and they're like, okay, 
Okay, kiddo, come on, back to center, back to the altar, let's go, you know. And I'm really grateful for the experience I'm having. I was reflecting with a friend on it, with Emily, my dear. Um, and I was speaking about, you know, how grateful I am that I've had this experience of being mad, going insane, you know, um, experiencing that. And that's, you know, the subject of season one. And as I was going through that, I was like, am I being called to initiate? You know, I, I had that sense even then that I was being called into the spiritual tradition, even though I didn't fully trust it and I was confused by it and, you know, a lot was going on there. But this episode really is, we're going everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, there's no focus. It's just, I'm catching you up on my life. Um, but I forget that I'm in this initiation and I forget that the reason that I was born into the lineage that I was born into, and that I was born into very different lineages, right? Like my petty ancestors on my father's side and my European ancestors on my mother's side, where there are two very different stories about connection. Like the, the story of connection on my dad's side um, it is much closer to me. Like th this, um, this practice of ancestral honoring is so much closer than it is with my maternal ancestors where, you know, like this kind of European colonization and violence has eradicated many of these ancestral honoring practices. And part of what I'm passionate about is bringing ancestral honoring and ancestral care and ancestral relating into the world and embodying that more deeply and bringing my ancestors everywhere I go because they are always with me. They are always here. They are always present. They're always ch 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 chattering about. Sometimes I'm like, I need to sleep, friends. <laughs> like, please. Um, because we can just stay up all night. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm still human. I know you guys don't have to deal with sleep <laughs> and the same things. Well, I actually think the ancestors sleep in the day. We just have very different patterns. But anyway, um, I want to bring this ancestral piece into the world. And I feel like we're in this huge period of transition. And I feel like we're being called to move back into the ocean. And I feel like we're becoming something that is beyond human. And I'm so interested in that. And so who knows if I'm really going to do that project. It does feel very alive for me right now. And I'm very interested in exploring it because there's so many things that I want to speak about that, you know, I'm, I'm learning to balance with this becoming human project because right now we are, we're speaking more about intimacy and connection and shame and desire and the erotic and I love speaking about this with you. I do. And maybe that's what the ancestors are asking me to bring in today. I was sitting with myself the other day and I was sitting with my people, the underground gang, as I like to call them sometimes, affectionately, of course. Uh, and we essentially what they were showing me is that decolonization is about relationship building. So I'll offer that to you here. Decolonization is about relationship building because colonization, even though often we can see it as this, like we frame it as something that is 
only political. And I think that kind of removes us from the human experience of the violence of colonization and like feeling into that, you know, which is something that I do with my ancestors all the time is like just touching that deep wound, you know, and not treating it as like an academic study of decolonization. It's like, no, but decolonization is about relationship building because colonization is a system disrupted relationships. Colonization as a system disrupted our relationship to land. It disrupted our relationship to each other, to other humans. It disrupted our relationships to our ancestors and to the more than human spirit world. It disrupted our relationships to the more than human animal world. Colonization disrupts relationships. And that was huge for me to hear that from them because... I can, you know, I've moved through many different lives in this lifetime. And in one life, I focused on political activism and I was super intellectual and super in my head <laughs> and really interested in thinking about a lot of these, you know, big topics because I was in many ways, you know, some of you might relate to this, some of you might not, but I felt like I was initiated by Fees Must Fall, by Afrikaans Must Fall, by these student movements that like that moved through our country through South Africa I know that people are listening to human becoming from all over the world but because I am in South Africa these student movements that were calling for deeper decolonization and were calling for deeper levels of equity and calling for you know um an end to colonial violence in, in very real ways and, and pointing at how that colonial violence is continuing to be perpetuated through the university system, but really through society. Fees must fall was so much bigger. You know, Afrikaans must fall was so much bigger. These student movements were so much bigger. And so I really felt like I was initiated by them in my thinking as a as an activist and as someone, you know, who cares about systems change. And of course, also there's the story of my father. Both of my parents really are people that care deeply about justice. Both of them were political activists. Are. <laughs> um, and so that's, you know, like this one, this one lifetime that I'm I'm working with and dancing with. And when I was in that lifetime, I really did see colonization as like the solely political thing. And that prevented me from doing the deep grief work that I needed to do with my ancestors to like grieve how painful that was. I cannot capture in words how painful that was for all of my lineages. And so... Decolonization is about relationship building. It is about relationship mending. It is about connection. And so I do feel like the work that I do as a sex and relationship coach, as a somatic practitioner, as a lover, right? Like, because I don't think we do quote unquote our work or the work only in our, like, the work that pays us, you know, or, or the work that we offer to the world. Like, for me, my work is just everything. And in the people that I love, you know, I get to experience this force of decolonization and and I get to be part of the decolonial project, <laughs> if I can call it that, you know, just in loving people in my life. Like it doesn't all have to be through my my work, what I do to make a living. 
But I do feel like for me, it's always been important that the work I do, like I knew I would not survive in this world if the work that I do to make a living and to love and to have fun and to, you know, is not pleasurable, is not joyous, and is not deeply aligned with my purpose. Like I, in many ways, did come here to live my purpose through and all of us did, right? I came here to live my purpose through every aspect of my life, through my relationships, I live my purpose, through my work, I live my purpose, you know, like through my business, I live my purpose, through this podcast, I live my purpose, through, oh, my love affair with the land and with the earth, I live my purpose, you know, I live my purpose in all these ways. And my purpose in many ways is around being you know, returning to being. But it is also about this big project. Like I'm I'm constantly struggling to bring it all together because sometimes I'm like, it feels so big and disconnected. But what my ancestors were showing me is that it's not disconnected at all. You think this work of 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 um of healing our most intimate relationships isn't part of decolonization. It is. It is. It is you know, and one wound, but it doesn't even feel that alive for me anymore. (laughs) I, as I was moving into stepping into who I am as a healer, I felt a lot of this pushback from people who really were just, it was just the universe testing me. I love these people, love them. Um, But I was experiencing a lot of pushback around like that work isn't that important. (laughs) You know, the real work is actually insert blah, 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 blah they were obviously speaking from their own shame and from the messages that society has given them. So I really, you know, hold them in so much love. But for a while, I did hold that opinion that like, this work doesn't get to be political, or it doesn't get to be part of my larger, you know, decolonization is such a huge part of my life. And I just want to bring that in here. Because It's something that like, I've just been realizing that I've been feeling tugged in this human becoming project in what can I speak about? What can't I? How do I bring all of these pieces of the puzzle together? You know, and for me, this work of, of healing our relationships to ourselves first, because that's really what I'm focusing on this season is like, yes, our relationships to others. But the first thing that we have to do is heal our relationship to ourselves and come into right relation with ourselves and accept ourselves fully. And then we can bring that beauty into and, and that darkness and that everything, you know, then we can bring the mess of who we are <laughs> in into intimate connection with other beings, human or non-human. Ah. Um, <sighs> That's a lot. The ancestors really got excited there. I was like, you, me too, because it's important. You know, relationship building anywhere that we can do it is the work of decolonization. And that's hugely important. So I now have this deep understanding that like the work that I'm doing in my in all of my intimate partnerships, whether I'm having sex with people or not, like I realize that's really how I'm gonna um we have such weird hierarchies around relationships in the society. And and what feels most true for me is there are my friends that I have sex with and there are my friends that I don't. Everyone's my friend. (laughs) Or you're my acquaintance, you know. Maybe you're my acquaintance that I sleep with. But (sighs) 
I I feel like my friends are so important to me. They offer me so much intimacy and romance and delight and healing and connection, you know? And it sucks that we live in a society that really devalues friendships and creates this, you know, monogamy and 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 the way that we're thinking about relationships as a society or some people are um creates this pyramid and this is not to say that monogamy is inherently bad. I just think this is one of the things that it's created in the world is that there's this pyramid where your romantic, your, and, and seriously, it's like, what are even your romantic partnerships? Because my friendships are my romantic partnerships. So really, you know, the people that you're having sex with, that's where you can get all your, your needs met, you know, for romance and for sex and for friendship. And then like everyone else is not so important and they're whatever. And, you know, and it's like, no, fuck that. My friends meet my needs in such miraculous ways. (laughs) And I'm kind of moving into, I think I'm just going to have like lovers, like lots of lovers and I'll rotate through my lovers. And sometimes I'll have long-term lovers and oftentimes I'll have short-term lovers. I really like intense love affairs and that's okay. But my friends are my like rocks, you know. Um, my friends are where I get a ton of that needs meeting, <laughs> you know, or where I get a ton of those needs that I have met because I've realized, and I'll offer this to you because I feel in very deep connection with you, and sometimes I think we're experiencing the same things. <laughs> um, I really like to deny that I have needs, you know. I'm like, no, I don't have needs. Me? Needs? No. And if I did have needs, I could meet them all by myself. And it's like, no, I have needs and I am human. And part of being human is about seeking connection, you know? And I'm really committing to enjoying that aspect of my human experience, which means I want to revel in connection and I want to allow myself to have my needs met. And it's really hard for me to do that. You know, I can say and I can affirm, like, I deserve to have my needs met, you know, and I receive, I receive, I receive, but I feel deeply unworthy of receiving. I feel deeply unworthy of having my needs met, you know, and so my friends give me an opportunity to heal that wound every day, but it is always present, you know, and I guess a lot of what I want to say in this episode is our shit is always going to be present. We're never going to heal completely, you know, and and I think maybe we all just need this reminder. I certainly need this reminder that we're not going to arrive at perfection, you know, but in our imperfectness and in our messiness and in us being who we are and showing up in our needs and in our wants and in our desires and in our struggles and in our fears and in our insecurities, we can still have our needs met. We can still experience delicious intimacy just by showing up, you know? So that's been a practice for me this week and a muscle that I'm really working on growing is allowing myself to show up authentically in intimacy with people and not have to judge it and label it and box it, but just appreciate how good it feels to be met and received and cared for and (sighs) loved, you know, and how good it feels to have people in my life who want to meet my needs, who are like enthusiastic about getting my needs met. Because I don't often feel that I'm worthy of that. And that's where like intimacy is so powerful because 
I'm not buying into this mainstream agenda that, oh, well then to me, you have to go heal and work on your worthy. I've been working on my worthiness wound, dude. Like, <laughs> but you know, you have to go work on your worthiness wound and then you will be, um, then you will be worthy of intimate connection. And it's like, that's the worthiness wound. That right there is the wo the worthiness, the worthiness, the worthiness wound. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. And I'm working on it by just showing up and being in relation and being in connection. And that work is powerful, you know, and, and it's important. And maybe this also, this episode is just a reminder to myself that my work is important and what I am showing people is important and what I am helping people to embody is important. And the piece of the puzzle that I bring to the table is important. It is so important. This is me shouting at myself. It is important. <laughs> but it is. It's so vital. It's so necessary. And it is part of the work of decolonization. And I guess I just wanted you to know that about me. That that is hugely important to me. That decolonization is something that I think about all the time <laughs> and has been something that has guided my work for many, many, many years, you know, before all of the things that would make up my body of work really became evident to me, you know, like being an African history major, so much of what I was thinking about consistently was decolonization. Being initiated by Fees Must Fall and Afrikaans Must Fall, so much of what I was thinking about was decolonization. <laughs> you know, like having all of these experiences, even being in high school and only being able to take European history, what was I really passionate about? I don't know, maybe decolonization. Um, and it's really beautiful for me to see that this work that we're doing here of healing ourselves and coming into right relation with one another and coming into intimacy with one another in really beautiful ways and, and working on meeting the aspects of ourselves that prevent us from being in really deep and yummy intimacy, that is also the work of decolonization. And I'm actually, I, I'm really sick of the society that wants to say otherwise, you know, because I do think that a lot of people who do this healing work get flack. A lot of artists get flack. <laughs> a lot of visionaries get flack because, quote unquote, this isn't the important work. Dreaming is the important work. Dreaming is the most important work. And dreaming, too, is the work of decolonization. <sighs> and so I'm excited to bring more of that into this. You know, for me, human becoming is my spiritual practice in many ways. I have many spiritual practices. Oh my God. Um, but human becoming in many ways is part of my spiritual practice because it's constantly guiding me into a deeper understanding of what is it that I want to do here? What is it that I'm passionate about telling the humans in my little bacterial time as a blob on this earth? What is the one thing I want to shout to the fucking rooftops and just say like, guys, this is important. People, this is important. Humans, listen, you know, and maybe even beyond that, because that is part of my savior complex, thinking that I have to shout from the rooftops. I don't thinking that I can save people by shouting from the rooftops. I can't, you know, and so maybe human becoming really is guiding me into deeper levels of what do I want to embody? What do I want to embody? What do I want to allow my presence to evoke in others? 
you know? How big do I want to allow my presence to get? Because I think it can get pretty fucking big. <sighs> and, and, and what do I want that presence to open for people? You know? So, yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking about this week. Um, and it all started with shame. It ended with decolonization and relationship building. And that's a human becoming episode for you. But healing shame is also part of the work of decolonization. If I can just wrap that thread up, which I think is important. Shame is part of the colonial project. Shame is integral to the capitalist project. Shame is integral to the white supremacist project. These systems do not thrive and survive without shame. That is really important for me to say. Oh my God. These systems do not thrive without shame. They shame, I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I can never speak about it enough. Shame is what keeps us in that trapped and stuck place. Shame prevents us from stepping into the truth of who we are and bringing our gifts and our ancestors' gifts into the world, you know? Shame prevents us from stepping into the fullness, you know? Like, if I listened to my shame voice, I would not be here. I would not be here and I would not share with you and I would not share my darkness and I would not share my messiness and I would not share the thoughts that later I'll say, no, I disagree, <laughs> you know? Because then I know I have to be perfect. No, I don't. These systems thrive because of this oppressive force of perfectionism that is instilled into us and coexists in this dance inside of us with shame, you know, perfectionism and shame just rubbing up on each other. <laughs> and I think learning to see that and learning to name that is hugely important. And if we're going to move into a different world, if we are going to reach for a different society, which I know we are all passionate about doing, I know it's why all of us who are here have come here, not just to this gathering space, but to this planet at this time. We have come here to shake things up. We have come here to create a different world. We have come here to create a different future. And shame does not help us in that project. And that doesn't mean then that we start shaming shame and being like, why are you showing up shame? As you can see from the beginning of that episode or this episode, that doesn't work. <laughs> But what it's really about is, is learning to see shame, learning to recognize shame, learning to say, oh, that's shame. And that work of you having a shame buddy and exposing shame to the light, that is a huge part of the work of decolonization. It is also how we begin to connect. Because what's powerful about shame is here I am by myself thinking I'm the only person that thinks they're unlovable and unworthy of love and unworthy of connection and is just awful and evil and da-da-da-da-da. And then I speak to someone else. I speak to my shame buddy, Emily. And Emily says, oh my God, me too. And then I speak to my other shame buddy, 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 <laughs> my mom. And my mom says, oh my God, me too. And then I come on here in Human Becoming and I share this experience and y'all are like, uh-huh. Yeah, we experience that. So speaking that shame is hugely important for us to see that these are not individual experiences, right? Shame is actually right now a collective experience. It is a collective oppression that we are experiencing and it's tied into. 
the white supremacist project, the colonial project, the patriarchal project, all of these projects that would like to keep us oppressed and would like to keep us from accessing and tapping into and owning and saying a big fuck yes to our power and to who we are and to what we bring to this world and how we've come here to shake things the fuck up. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Back into my body. So that's what I want to share with you today. That was fun. Oh, God. I love dancing with these voices. Um, and I hope you can see that, like, it doesn't always have to, like, even naming shame and playing with shame. It can be playful. It gets to be playful. It also gets to be dark. It gets to be whatever it is for you, you know? And I'm really excited to live in a world where this kind of shame that we're experiencing right now doesn't have the same hold on us. Because I'll leave this question with you. How free would we be without shame? How free would we be? How free would you be without the voice in your head that says, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, don't say that, don't share that, don't embody that, don't do that. Sometimes you don't even know that there are things that shame is shaming you out of embodying. Like there are aspects of ourselves that we don't even know because shame has not allowed us to know those aspects of ourselves. So what would that look like? What would that world look like? Can we get excited about that world where we're stepping into who we are in ways that we cannot even imagine? <sighs> and think about what we could create. Get excited by what we could create here on this glorious earth were it not for that inhibiting force. And this is also not to, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame shame. Shame, I love you. I know that you are trying to protect me you live inside of me and you are a function of, you know, coming from a species that <laughs> has lived in community and community has helped us to survive, you know? So it's not to say shame is bad, but it's like, just allow yourself to think, to get excited about what a world would look like where shame wasn't so shackling, where it didn't have us by the chokehold, you know, which it does now. It does. Shame is doing us in a big way. So what does a world look like where we do shame? <laughs> That's the last question I'll leave you with. And um, I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you so much. God, it's like my heart can't even contain how much love I have for you. How much I want this kind of freedom for you, how much I want this kind of intimacy for you, how much I want you to have the freedom to step into the beauty and the truth and the light and the darkness and the mess and the godliness of who you are, the divinity of who you are. And so I'll leave you with that. I love to affirm people. So... <laughs> Your daily dose of affirmation that you are fantastic and you are bringing so much into the world and your voice and your perspective and your piece of the puzzle is vital and you owe it to me, god damn, <laughs> to bring it, you know, and you owe it to yourself to bring it and you owe it to humanity and you owe it to God to bring it. And that means, you know, that you don't just then say, you know, that's me hitting myself on the arm like, come on, bring it. 
No, that's not how we do it. We say, fuck, then what's the work I have to do to bring it? I have to face shame? I have to face my perfectionist wound? Okay, then. Hello, shame. Welcome. (sighs) That was lovely. I will see you all next week. And uh, take good care of yourselves. Nourish yourselves. Nourish your bodies. Love up on yourselves. And connect with other beings. It is vitally important. Even if there are no human beings around you, there are always ways to connect. I'm really not surrounded by that many human beings, but my primary connection right now is with my ancestors and with the land and with the earth, who are all my lovers. And so I'm grateful for those connections. I honor them deeply. (sighs) If this is your little kick to... you know, explore the vast range of connection that is possible to you in this world, then let that be the kick. Anyways, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I will talk to you soon.